this is uh, Kingdom Stories, week number six. Two more to go. Uh, first week, Pastor Brandt began with Kingdom Invitation. Jesus said, go out, invite the good people, the bad people. I want everyone invited to be a part of my celebration party, okay? I've got this eternal celebration, and I'm the king. Invite everybody. Second week, we examined kingdom message. We learned that when we refuse the king's message, when we refuse to dance to the king's tune, we're behaving like spoiled religious brats. Third week, we looked at kingdom response. We learned that the human heart is a lot like dirt, a lot like soil, if you will, and the condition of a man or a woman's heart determines how they respond to the message of Jesus and the cross and the empty tomb. Uh, fourth week, we investigated kingdom forgiveness. We learned that the more we know and understand and experience the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, the more our love, the more our devotion for Jesus Christ will grow. Last week, Pastor Brandt shared about kingdom grace. And I just want to pause for a moment. I, I watched kingdom grace last week. Uh, we were in a motel in Wisconsin, and I just want to say Pastor Brandt was outstanding last week. So just nice job, Pastor Brandt. Keep up the good work. He's, uh, he's online right now. He's the uh, online campus pastor. But Pastor Brent, well done. We learned that God's delay is actually God's grace. Uh, God still desires to see more and more people know his son and his grace. So since God wants to rescue more people, even people who plant weeds, that's why he hasn't returned yet. Today is week number six, Kingdom Stories. We're going to look at Kingdom Celebration. Kingdom Celebration. We're going to see that every time a sinner makes the repentance choice, all of heaven's hosts stand and rejoice. Did you see that that rhymes? Okay. Uh, every time a sinner makes the repentance choice, all of heaven's hosts stand to rejoice. Or, or here, here's how I would say it. Uh, every time a sinner makes the U-turn uh, and runs home to the awesome arms of Jesus, a celebration breaks out in heaven and the angelic billions rejoice. Locate with me on your Bible app, on your phone, in your Bible. If you're watching online, there's a Bible tab just below the screen on the left. And locate Luke chapter 15. And we're going to see today that Jesus actually gives us three kingdom stories. And they all have the exact same message. Isn't that interesting? He gives you one parable after another after another. And they all are saying the exact same thing. Would you stand with me if you're able? We're going to read the first ten verses. Luke chapter 15 would you uh, read with me? Let's declare God's word out loud together. Here we go. Now, the tax collectors and sinners 
were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home, then calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for preserving for us uh, these parables exactly the way you spoke them. And Lord, I'm grateful that a celebration occurs every time a sinner repents and runs to your son, Jesus Christ, for forgiveness and salvation. And Lord, I guess I want to pray right now for lots of celebrating in heaven today. Might there be lots of celebrating amongst the angelic billions because many here today or watching online or at our East Jordan or Lansing campus, Lord, but, but we're wanting celebrations because of what's happening all over northern Michigan, all over the world, even in Senegal, West Africa. Lord, might there be lots of rejoicing, celebrating going on because lots of sinners ran to your son, Jesus Christ, and believed what he did for them on the cross and received him as Savior and Lord. That's our desire. And Lord, might there be lots of celebrating going on all week long as you give us opportunities to share with other people around us who need to know about your son, Jesus. We want to pause and invite the third person of the Trinity to be welcome today. You're, you're welcome today in your church. Would you come and work and nudge and convict and convince and teach and probably for some of us awaken us from our sleepiness, stir us, train us, Lord, to do your work? Because here's the truth, Lord. There's lots of people in our families who are living in darkness. There's lots of friends that we have who are walking around spiritually blind. There's people that we work with, people we go to school with, people who we live next door to, Lord. And the truth is, many, if not most of them, are spiritually dead. 
They, they don't know your Son, Jesus Christ, as Savior and Lord. So, Lord, uh, might you awaken us today to that fact and help us not just to know it in our heads. Lord, would you spur us on towards action? And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one united voice, you can be seated. There are two groups of people gathered around Jesus. Uh, he's going to share these three stories. We're only going to look at the first two. But he talks about lost sheep. That's the first kingdom story. Then he talks about the lost coin, verses 8 to 10, Luke chapter 15. And then the rest of the chapter, uh, the longest parable, uh, the lost son, Luke 15, 11 to 32. So let, let's go back and, and just see. It says, now the tax collectors were gathered around to hear Jesus. Okay, uh, Tax collectors were Jewish citizens who cooperated with the Romans. In other words, they worked for Rome, and their job was to squeeze the maximum amount of taxes out of the Jewish people. So you can imagine what the fellow Jews thought about tax collectors. They were notorious for overcharging, cheating, squeezing their fellow Jews. Therefore, they were hated. <laughs> They were despised. Uh, they were traitors. Nobody thought highly of tax collectors. Uh, we know of at least two, uh, Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19, and then one of the 12 disciples. Anybody know? Bible trivia here. Who was a tax collector? Matthew was a tax collector as well, okay? It says back in verse 1, um, there were tax collectors and sinners. So just in general, you had this one group, they were awful. Uh, we hate tax collectors. But then there are these non-religious, pagan, non-observant, sinful Jews gathered around Jesus. Uh, meaning, they didn't follow the Old Testament rules and regulations. Uh, they didn't go and offer sacrifices for their sins at the temple they didn't observe the Jewish holidays and festivals. They were a lot like the younger brother in the final of the three parables here. Remember the younger brother? And it says he went out and spent his wealth in wild, sinful living. So, so just they were sinful, pagan. They were Jews, but they weren't religious Jews. They weren't law-abiding Jews, and they were gathered around Jesus. Understand? There's a second group, tax collectors and sinners. Then it says, verse 2, um, also gathered around Jesus were Pharisees and teachers of the law. Pause. These were the religious leaders of the Jews. The, these were the leaders, and they were the ones who meticulously paid attention to the laws, to the rules, to the regulations. Do you understand? They were the guardians of the Old Testament, so they thought. Now look back at verse 2. 
They're gathered around Jesus along with tax collectors and sinners. And here's what these religious do-gooders muttered. That's what the word says. And they muttered to themselves, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. I think that's how you mutter, right? Yeah, to yourself. This man, Jesus, <laughs> he's, he's hanging with sinners and he's eating with them. Jesus aims these three parables, these three kingdom stories, give me your eyes, at the religious leaders. You got to understand who these stories are aimed at. The religious leaders who could care less about tax collectors and sinners. That's why he tells these three parables, okay? He, he's telling them because these religious leaders, uh, they not only didn't reach out to the Jewish sinners, they hated them. They wished them dead. They wanted them to go away. And they are, verse 2, shocked that Jesus allows such sinful scum, that's what they thought of them, to hang around him. And they are shocked. Yuck! Jesus even sits down and eats with them as though they were friends, as though they were buddies. Understand, give me your eyes one more time, because otherwise you don't understand what's going on here. Jesus aims all three parables, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son, at the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. That's who these parables are aimed at. First kingdom story, parable of the lost sheep, understanding the good shepherd is going to tell a sheep story. Verse 4, Luke 15. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them, doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And, and when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. Why? I found my lost sheep. Now, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were supposed to be the religious shepherds of the Jewish nation. You understand? They were entrusted with watching over the spiritual condition of the Jews, all of the Jews in Israel. But they could care less. But Jesus said, John 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. So, so that's the contrast. They were supposed to be the shepherds, but now the real good shepherd, Jesus Christ says, I've come, I'm the good shepherd. Remember back Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's Jesus. Jesus says, I come and I lay down my life for my sheep. He's talking about the cross, talking about shedding his blood, taking our place in the grave and rising from the dead. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, uh, Jesus tells us, I came to earth to seek and to save the lost. Lost sheep, lost coins, 
lost brothers. Got it? I, I've come to earth in Jesus' mission statement, I've come to seek and to save the lost. And here's what you need to know. The good news is this. It's better than that. The great news is this. Jesus still comes after lost sheep. Isn't that good to know? Anybody besides me think that's great news? Jesus comes after lost sheep. Thank you. Jesus cares about all the people of the world, even the people we don't like, even the people who voted differently than us. Jesus calls and seeks and forgives all the people of the world who've lost their way. Now, if you're here this morning, you're watching online, there's nobody who's too lost, too sinful, too dirty, too progressive, too conservative to have Jesus rescue them. Is that not great news? Jesus says, I care about all the sheep. He's like a lifeguard, and he's watching to see people who are dying and about to drown. And right now, here's what you need to know. If you don't know Jesus personally, he's swimming out to you right now, and he's willing to bring you to safety and bring new life to your life, but you got to let him. You got to say, yes, Jesus, I need rescuing. I need forgiveness. I need new life in you. Right now, I yield and I surrender my life to you. Now, sadly, what's going on here? The Jewish religious leaders didn't care about the lost sheep in Israel. They didn't care if they got eaten by a wolf. Matter of fact, they wanted these sinners and tax collectors to be eaten and chewed alive. They, they wanted them to get hung up in bushes and shrubs. They didn't care if the sheep fell down into a ravine or a canyon. Matter of fact, they sort of hoped that would happen. They hated the lost sheep. They wouldn't go near them. Why? Because if they were seen with sinners, it might damage their reputation. Do you understand? They, they cared how people viewed them. They cared about what people thought about them. They cared less about the lost sheep who were in great danger. They judged these lost sheep as sinners worthy of hell, and they couldn't wait for Jehovah God to punish them and judge them and toss them into the lake of fire. They were saying, that's what they deserved. That's what they've earned. I can't wait for these lost sheep to be judged by Jehovah God. Verse 7. <laughs> now let's look and see, how does that contrast with how Jesus sees lost sheep? How does that compare to what the good shepherd says about lost sheep. Here, here's what verse 7 says. I tell you that in the same way there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent, who do not think they need to repent. Here's what I would say to you. Every time a sinner makes the repentance choice, all of heaven's hosts 
stand to rejoice. Isn't that good? Every time a sinner does the U-turn, runs home to the awesome arms of Jesus, a celebration breaks out in heaven, and the angelic billions celebrate and rejoice. One thing I want to go back to, though, is um, who exactly are the 99? Verse 4, look at it. Who are the 99 folks who think they don't need rescuing? Think with me now. Who are the 99? Who is this aimed at? Who are the 99 who are pretty sure, I don't need to repent because I'm not a sinner? Jesus is aiming this parable right at them. And he's saying, hey, Jewish religious leaders, right now, there's a celebration breaking out in heaven. There's excitement. There's a party going on because a lost, sinful sinner, one of the tax collectors, one of these sinful pagan people have come home to Jesus. They realize they need rescuing by the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. They found eternal life. They found rescue for their lost souls and new life in Jesus has begun in them. Here's my question. Ready? Give me your eyes. When's the last time you looked around and cared about the lost sinners around you? It's, it's, it's sometimes um, we get so busy, we get so scheduled, and I'm doing my thing and I'm worried about COVID for me, or I'm mad about COVID for me, or I, I'm all caught up in everything, and, and now suddenly I forgot that sinful sheep still live around me. When's the last time you prayed by name for the sinners that the Lord's placed around you? Kingdom story number two. Back to the text. The lost coin. Verse eight. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I found my lost coin. The silver coin here is likely a Greek drachma. Okay? And uh, that was um, equivalent to one day's wage. Um, Jose, I don't know how much you make, but we'll just call it a $100 bill. Okay? So maybe that will help you understand. Um, it could be a $200 bill today with inflation depending on how much you, you make in a day, okay? So be thinking it's either one or two, um, or if you make a lot of money, maybe $300 bills you've lost. Ten silver coins was a common wedding gift to brides. In, in this day, this was her dowry. This was her emergency fund in case of catastrophe, in case of a great calamity, in case of sudden death of someone in the family, 
This, this was the emergency fund. Do you understand? So this unnamed woman has lost 10% of her nest egg, of her savings. Okay, This is more than just losing 10%. This has been with her probably for a long time. She's lost something that matters to her and 10% of her life savings. Okay, So what does she do? Does she sit back and say, oh, well, maybe someday I'll find it. Maybe it'll turn up. Maybe it won't. Is that how she responds? Look at the text. She, she leaps into high gear and she says, I'm going to find that coin. <laughs> she lights the lamp. She's going to look clearly. She sweeps what is likely a dirt floor. Very few people had uh, what we would call concrete floors, okay? Um, she searches carefully, meticulously. She's on hands and knees. And once again, just like the shepherd who finds lost sheep, this woman finds her lost coin and reaches out to her friends and says, I know I told you, be praying, be on the lookout. I don't, I don't know where it went, but rejoice with me because I found my $100 bill. Okay? Rejoice with me. So, so what's the point of this second parable? Okay? Not forgetting, this parable is aimed at the Jewish religious leaders, just like the first one. Look at verse 10. Here's the point of kingdom story number two. In the same way, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. That's the meaning, okay? That's the significance of this parable is that when this coin is found, there's rejoicing. And when a lost tax collector or a lost sinner does the U-turn and runs to the good shepherd, there's rejoicing that breaks out in heaven. Every time a sinner makes the repentance choice, all of heaven's hosts stand to rejoice. Or every time a sinner does the U-turn, run homes, runs home to the awesome arms of Jesus, a celebration, a party breaks out in heaven, and the angelic billions go crazy. Why does heaven throw a party every time a sinner runs to Jesus? Doesn't that feel like overkill? I mean, aren't they must be rejoicing all the time, especially like on Sundays when lots of folks are in church and, and lots of people are making decisions. Why on earth are they going crazy in heaven every time a sinner does the U-turn? I'd point to the third parable. Uh, we're, this is all we're going to get into it. But down at the end of it, Luke 15, 32, I think explains why pretty good. The father says, actually to the older son, but we had to celebrate and be glad. We had to because this brother of yours was dead and now he's alive again. He was lost and now he's found. We had to because he was dead and headed towards eternal death, but now he's alive 
And now he's back home with us. Question. When's the last time you personally cared about a lost family member, a lost friend, a lost neighbor, a lost co-worker, a lost fellow student? Someone that you're pretty sure doesn't know Jesus as the way and the truth and the life. When's the last time that you cared enough about them that you sought them out and splashed the love of Jesus on them? You know the obvious takeaway of these parables? (laughs) Jesus, the good shepherd, cares deeply about lost people. That's, that's, that's the key thing that, that all three of these parables shout. The good shepherd cares deeply about the lost, the sinners, those that are living in darkness and are headed toward eternal judgment and death. Jesus cares a lot about them. How do we know that? How do we know Jesus cares so much about lost people? Give me your eyes. Here's how we know. He left the glory and the splendor of heaven. Jesus took on a human body, human skin. He lived here on earth, lived a sinless life, never sinning thought, word, or deed, therefore qualified uniquely to be the sinless Lamb of God. Jesus then took our place on the cross and willingly shed his blood For my greatest problem, I say this a lot, what's my greatest problem? Go ahead, tell me. And what's your greatest problem? Tell yourself. Tell your neighbor, what's their greatest problem? You're a sinner. We're sinners. Then he took our place in the grave, and it doesn't end there, doesn't it? April 4th, we're going to celebrate what? Early Sunday morning. He arose victoriously over sin and Satan and death, and now... Jesus cared enough about lost people that he invites us to believe and receive and enjoy new life in Jesus Christ. So, ready? Obvious question. If Jesus cares about lost people, if if lost sinners matter to Jesus, then lost people should matter to those of us who follow Jesus. Does that not make sense? If, if lost people, uh, people living in darkness, people who've never been born again, if they matter so much to Jesus, they should matter to us. So the hard question is, why don't we care more about lost people? Why, why, why don't we notice and splash and intentionally reach out to lost people. I'm going to offer you five common reasons why lost people really don't matter that much to us. I know there's some wonderful exceptions, but the truth is a lot of us don't pay much attention to lost people. Okay? Why not? Reason number one. You ready? We're too busy. We're too scheduled. We're racing through life. Um, And frankly, um, it's not that I don't care. I just don't take the time to notice. Uh, 
I don't take the time to care. I, I don't take the time to listen. I don't take the time to show them the love of Jesus. Why? Because I'm just too busy. Second reason why we don't really care that much or, or we le at least don't share and reach out is because we're not really sure what to say. Because if I speak up today and I say something wrong, I'm liable to get creamed in today's culture, so it's just easier for me to be quiet and say nothing. I'm a little intimidated, and I really am just going to try to be nice to everybody. Third reason why we don't reach out and care and show the love of Christ to lost people is we're not really fully convinced that sinners are really in eternal danger. I just want you to know that more and more is true. More and more folks in churches like ours were hopeful that maybe God, he's got all this clearly, but maybe when it comes right down to it, um, the Lord will just wink and nod and say, yeah, come on in anyway. I'll just let everybody in. Uh, it, it's, it's okay. It's okay. The problem with that is, give me your eyes, then how do you explain the cross and the shed blood and the empty tomb? If, if, if the Lord is one day just going to say, yeah, just all of you, come on in, then what Jesus did on the cross at Calvary was not necessary. It was just a waste. Fourth reason. We don't reach out. This one, this one, well, okay, here we go. Some of the sinners around us just make us crazy. Anybody got sinners around you that just bug you, that make you frustrated and angry, and, and they sin differently than me, and they vote differently than me? And, and can, I just, can I just step on my toes and yours at the same time? Our nation is a divided nation right now. And the truth is, if you're not careful, if I'm not careful, I'm so frustrated, I'm so angry, they drive me so crazy the other side, and I might be on this side or that, but the other side, they're the enemy now, and I don't like them, I don't love them, and I secretly kind of hope they get judged and go to hell. We don't say that, but the truth is, by not reaching out to them, that's we're kind of revealing our heart. <laughs> there's, there's never been a time where we have to work, Lord, give me your love. Give me your heart for lost sheep, for lost sinners, for people who sin differently than me. You understand that's true, right? That we still sin, um, they just sin differently, and they view life differently. Can, can Give me your eyes, which just shows they need Jesus all the more, amen? They, they, need, they need new life in Jesus Christ even more. Fifth reason, and I think this is really that we don't share more, we've become like the Jewish religious leaders. And... and Here's the, the really convicting part to me. Um, 
Now I've grown in Christ. It's called sanctification. And I've grown and matured in Christ. And now I, I don't sin like I used to sin. And if you're not careful now, you start thinking, I think I'm a little better than those gross sinners. I, I, I think I'm better than them. They're selfish and proud and prickly, and I don't think my sin problem is as bad as theirs. Do you understand? That's dangerous. If you don't, if you don't realize how great your sin was that needed salvation, we're going to look at other people in really proud, pompous, condescending, judgmental ways. I know that's true for me. Lord, help me not to be one of these Pharisees or teachers of the law that looks at sinners and says, I'm way better than them. Can I just tell you? That's how many of the unchurched view us. They look at us and they're pretty sure that we think we're better than them. And the truth is, a lot of us, that really is what we think. We're way better than you. But the truth is, give me, give me your eyes. We're all lost sinners. Every one of us, worthy of judgment. That's what we've earned and deserved. And it's by grace that Jesus has saved each and every one of us. And the fact that you're not saying amen scares me right now. Because you should be saying, you're right. I am a great sinner. And I have a great Savior. And he saved me miraculously. And he'll do the same for my family who are lost sinners, for my friends who are lost sinners, for my co-workers who are lost sinners, for my neighbors who are... Do you understand? We got to view the truth with God's word in mind. Jesus came to earth to seek and to save the lost. And if he's your king... That better be your mission and my mission as well. Do you understand? If he's the king and he's the one that issues orders, then church family, we too are commanded to seek and to save the lost. And thank you, bells. I think they're talking to children right now. But they've been called to seek and to save the lost in Senegal, West Africa. But we're called to seek and to save the lost in Petoskey, in Boyne City, um, in Elmira, in Boyne Falls, and Boyne City, and Charlevoix. Can I just keep going for a while? Um, I wrote a bunch of the cities down. Uh, Alanson, East Jordan, Gaylord, Wolverine. We're called to seek and to save the lost right where Jesus placed us. And everywhere we go, we're called, okay? Shine bright, splash the love of Jesus, okay? Now, now let, me, let me get off your toes and give you a word of hope right now, okay? Here we go. After living in the land of COVID for a year, I'm convinced people are more hungry and more thirsty for the love and truth of Jesus than ever before that I've seen in this generation, okay? I, I just see lots of people who are starving for love and, and caring and people really to, 
to lean into their lives, and we just happen to have the truth and the way and the life, and his name is Jesus Christ. Do you understand? So uh, the soil is rich. The soil is ready to have seeds. What are seeds? I'm showing and sharing the love of Jesus and his gospel every day, everywhere I go. So here's, here's the question. Will you this week be on the lookout, slow down enough to actually splash some Jesus on the people around you? Will you, will you do that? How, how many of you will say, you know, Lord, you're going to put some people in my path. My job isn't to save them. That's your job. But my job is to sow some seeds. Count me in. I want to be a part of celebrations in heaven. Help me, Jesus, to love like you in this week ahead. Okay? Now, here's where we're actually, the rubber comes to the road right now. How many of you would say, okay, I get it. Lord, see my hand, use me, and I'll go first. Anybody else join me? How many of you this next week? Lord, I, I don't know how you're going to, but you're going to put some people in my, and I want to be on the lookout, and I'm going to be prayed up, and some of the people, you know exactly who they are. When, when you're talking to that family member, when that friend comes around, when you go to work, when you go to school, the people you live next to, you know who they are. Lord, use you care about lost sinners, so do I. Let's pray. Lord, uh, your stories are strong and intense, but we want to just say thank you because they all start with a sinner named Jeff that you willingly took the hit for my sin problem. You willingly took my place on the cross shed your blood and Lord would you give me that same heart for the people you're going to put in our path this next week help us to see lost people with your eyes slow us down Lord so that we might notice and care about the people around us Many, if not most of them, are hurting and broken and scared and depressed. Lord, my sinners in northern Michigan see us as people who care and accept and love sinners of all varieties. And Lord, would you forgive me? Would you forgive us for the times when we get judgmental and pious and thinking that we're better than some of the lost sinners that are around us. Give us opportunities this next week. Give us the courage to reach out and love like you. Share what you've done in us and through us and for us and for them. And I don't want to close I want to assume that you're here today or you're watching online. Maybe you've heard about Jesus, interested in Jesus.
uh, dabbled with Jesus, but you've never said yes to Jesus. Uh, I do. Great news. Right where you're at today, you can believe and receive. New life in Jesus Christ can begin right now. Right where you're seated, right where you're at, watching online. Jesus, I believe. You left the glory and the splendor of heaven, and you did that for me. And I believe, Jesus, you took my place on that cross. And Jesus, I believe you shed your blood for my greatest problem. I'm a great sinner. I'm in need of a great Savior. Jesus, I believe you took my place in the grave. And Jesus, I believe early Sunday morning, you victoriously arose from the dead. You did that for me. Those are the facts. I believe them, Lord. And by faith right now, I receive you as my Savior, my King, my forever friend. Remember we said he's that lifeguard? He's knocking on your door, but you've got to open the door. Jesus, by faith, I choose to invite you into my life. I'm going to follow you now, and it's for keeps. No turning back. You make that choice today, and you're here in person. Make your way over to the prayer corner. We've got people that... Rejoice with you. They'll start celebrating. Celebration is going on in heaven right now. Did you know that? If you make that choice or you're watching online, you can hit that button and, and let the folks know that you are choosing to say, yes, I'm inviting you into my life, Jesus. I believe and I receive. Thanks, Lord. You're awesome. Thanks for caring for sinners even great sinners like us. It's in Jesus' name we pray.